Good evening, Barrio. Hi. Um, boss, how are you this fine evening? I'm pretty good. Just watching the sunset from my tower. And you? Yeah, I'm on my way back to the tower. I went for a lovely evening shoeless hike by the lake. Oh, that sounds nice. Oh, um, uh, um, D, you there? Uh, I just saw a weird figure in the dark. I'm here. Barrio, do you not remember my name? Oh, um, of course I do. <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, what, what do I do about that figure? Dude, we've been chatting every day for the past two and a half months. How can you not remember my name? What are you talking about? Of course I know your name, Deborah. Dina? Dahlia? You said you're on your way back to the tower, coming from the lake, right? There's that dark, scary cave nearby, isn't there? I need you to go and check it out. Make sure no one's camping there or anything like that. Um, is it urgent? I mean, it's getting really dark and a bit scary. It's a cave. It's always going to be dark and scary. Make sure you get all the way to the end of the cave. I heard it goes deep. You might need your climbing equipment. Climbing equipment? Oh, oh man. But what if there's no reception down there? Oh, and I might switch off this channel for a while. Anyway, good luck down there. Diana? Dorothy? Daisy? On today's episode of The Culture Quest, we'll be going into Tavern Talk, talking about the dumbest things we've ever spent money on, and then in the main discussion we talk about the second video game we've ever done, Firewatch. In the outro, Inon will introduce the topic of next week's episode, you too. Hello and welcome to The Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers and today we see conspiracy theories anywhere we look. With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Hello. And I am Inon. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today we're discussing Firewatch, a video game that I repeatedly called Firefly throughout the past couple of weeks. Uh, it came out in 2016. It's a short story-based kind of game, and I think it's generally well-liked. But before we do that, let's do some Terran Talk. So, today on Terran Talk, we're discussing... <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I always do the same noise as well. <laughs> So, today on Tavern Talk, we're discussing another question from Ask Reddit. And the question today is this. What's the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on? This is a fun question uh, that's been asked on that subreddit more than once. I, I would like to encourage everyone to Google it and see the answers people gave on Reddit, because it's really funny. I'll put a link or two in the show notes. Who wants to start? Yeah, I'll start. I haven't got anything epic. I kind of... I am <laughs> pretty bad with... Um, spending money and I actually turned the corner a little bit and I became a better saver recently after we did the Fight Club episode. So, <laughs> I think there was a sort of like a um, a string of events that led to, I read Fight Club and then I read American Psycho and they're all both a little bit, maybe less so American Psycho, but they're very anti-capitalist kind of books. And um, yeah, so I, I actually spend a lot less money on stupid stuff, but I'm holding the thing right now that I think is like one of the worst things I've bought. 
and it's an ergonomic mouse. Mm. Basically, <laughs> it's- That doesn't sound stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound stupid, but it is because- It's basically, instead of having your hand sort of like palm down and then you just, you know, move it around for the mouse, you have your hand sort of like sideways, like almost like you're going to shake someone's hand. Oh. And and in theory, that sounds very good. But it just, every mouse movement is, I'm so conscious of, like, I'd- like it just it feels like I'm manually doing everything. Like I, I just can't zone out and use my mouse because like it's this I have to move my whole arm and it's just it's just the worst oh. thing. And I bought like the top of the range one thinking it'd be so cool. I've had it for probably about a year and I have not adjusted. It's it's actually the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like you're holding a joystick then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, and if you want to move the mouse, like you have to kind of lift up the whole hand and like move the whole arm, like the elbow and everything. Ugh, yeah, that it's horrible. so inconvenient. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> it's so bad. It's it's so it's so bad. It's probably good for you. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel honestly a little bit disabled when I use this mouse. Like oh. I just honestly like it just feels like I'm not able to access my full ability uh, like hold on guys i'll get to it i just i'm using this mouse <laughs> so yeah and the fact that i paid like and i was excited for it as well like i ordered it like express shipping thinking like because i never had any hand problems or any like you know movement problems or something but i just thought you know what all these problems in my life relationships and and work and stuff this will all fade away once i get this vertical ergonomic <laughs> mouse and you know what it that stuff didn't happen and now i've got a worse mouse so i'm i'm so glad like this is a warning that i'm gonna take to heart because every once in a while i go on amazon and i look at mouse uh, and mice mice mouses mouses mice mouses mice mice <laughs> and i always look at these kind of special mice with like you know uh, a different kind of shape or a different way to use them. And I'm always thinking, one day I'll get this and I'll be so productive. <laughs> it's saving time yeah. and money now. Honestly, <laughs> like, I think it's worth getting a wireless <laughs> mouse because that's just a dream. But just after that, I think you just want something that just works and is normal. Yeah. You just, yeah, don't go for the ergos. Yeah. <laughs> unless you've got medical yeah. problems. Yeah, yeah, unless, probably really, yeah. yeah. unless you need it, yeah. yeah. I recently got one of those mouse, a mice, a Logitech G600, I think it is, which has, it's like a regular mouse, but it has 12 buttons on the side that you can reach with your thumb. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and that, when I'm editing the episode, I usually have one hand on the mouse, one hand on the keyboard, and I have a bunch of hotkeys set for everything I need when I edit. But my left hand, the one on the keyboard, yeah, I don't know, something about holding it in this weird angle for hours at a time, it, you know, it hurts a bit. So I got this one. I actually got it uh, for my birthday. Now I can do all of the editings with the hotkeys with my thumb on the mouse. So it's really nice. And I have my left hand free to snack, basically. <laughs> That's what I use it for Priorities. now. <laughs> yeah, much more productive that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit slower, like the whole process. You get the same amount of work, but you can snack during yep, it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> it's worth, worth it. it. So did you actually adjust to the new mouse? Like, is it It's a efficient? bit slower. Um, it's, it's kind of nice because once you get used to the hotkeys, it works fairly smoothly. But something about the, I don't know, the friction of the mouse on the table. I tried to using it on a book or on a mouse pad and everything, and, but... 
something about moving the mouse around doesn't feel as good as just a simple mouse I used to have. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit slower. But yeah, the, the, I, I can do the whole thing with just one hand and it's fairly smooth. I like it. And now my left hand doesn't go through all of these pains. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Barrio, what did you buy that made you feel dumb? <laughs> I had a couple of... They're not really dumb, but like just m- misfortunate that I waited and purchased something. And then like a month later, got it for my birthday. Or um, like like one time, I, I a couple of years back... I went to India and I started looking at their at their Amazon and I found, you know, the the Google Pixel 2 XL and it has a really good price, you know, still it was relatively new but it, it was still pricey but relatively good price and I purchased it and I wait for it to arrive and it arrived and I was so happy. Then, you know, the the moment I get back and and went to the office, they told me, yeah, you know, company is giving is giving phones that that everyone can take and and you know th- those are one of the phones that you can take so that was a, that was annoying That's rough. yeah like there's there was no way for you to know but it still makes you feel like you've yeah, missed out was, <laughs> like yeah uh, i guess i guess the well it's not it's not a stupid like i i think i one time about about <laughs> it's going to sound weird but like 10 deodorants and it's not, and it's what? not like, yeah, about like ten deodorants, and it's not that I same scent. No, so I spread it around, but for different, different uh, uh, <laughs> scents, so it will be nicer. But it's not that I use them as much, but I was thinking, well, those are one of the things that you always need. Let's buy a lot and have a supply for a long time, and then I forgot where I placed them. Oh, <laughs> oh my and god! Then, so I had to buy, so I had to buy more, and then when I Bought more, I found what what I misplaced. So oh. I ended up with a lot of deodorants, <laughs> but it it lasted for a year, something like that. I'm you know? sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the uh, on the ask credits, one of the answers someone gave out was that um, the the their favorite soap company was closing down, so they just bought a, a bunch of those, like you know, like slabs of soap of a um, solid soap. Yeah, I think it was like five pound in, in terms of weight. Uh, yeah. of soap for each bar and they just got a bunch of like i think they it was like three hundred dollars worth of soap <laughs> and it's been like five years and they're still not halfway through it and they're giving it away as presents and stuff <laughs> honestly that just sounds like a good time to me yeah <laughs> i gotta say that i never imagined that someone had a favorite soap company yeah I, that, that sounds like a fight club <laughs> yeah <laughs> for me when I was living in the city a few years ago, I had a, a, kind of a habit of visiting this record store. And I would go there every two weeks or so on my way home after work. And I would spend like the amount of cash that, you know, I have on me on vinyl records. And it was never a huge amount of money. So I would go over my favorite artists and see if there's anything new there, or like something new that I don't have yet or something rare. And then, you know, once I got the stuff that I like, I started going over the weird kind of junky stuff, you know, the place where I used to go always had a bunch of random stuff. Most of it was garbage for the average person. And, you know, these records would go for a dollar or two. And I would usually get like three or four of these records. Um, I would get stuff that seemed like it had a slight chance of being like this hidden gem, you know, and I don't think I ever really hit on something. So now 
in my collection. <laughs> I have like a record of low quality Gregorian chants. I <laughs> have a record of a stand-up comedian from I think the fifties in Spanish. I have a recording of what I can only assume is a house party in Mexico or something with a small band. It's like drums, a guitar, a bass, a saxophone, and they're playing Beatles songs with the crowd singing along. <laughs> Stuff that I, I, I don't need. <laughs> but, have... but, is it, but is it any good? Oh, no. no like, <laughs> most of it is, is in really low quality or bad shape. And even if it was perfect, like the one from the, the, with the Beatles songs with the saxophone, it really does sound like a home recording that someone decided to print later. It's awful. Like, it's, it's really as if a, a few friends just picked up a few instruments, played it, and now I have a record of it. <laughs> uh, like, some of these had cool album covers, so I got them. But, like, some of these I can't even figure out what they are. Like, the cover doesn't have any details, and I can't find any information about them. I have a record that sounds like uh, maybe Irish folk songs, but... It's not as cool as it sounds. Like, Irish folk songs can be fun, but this one is just bad. I think I have a record uh, where you can hear someone talking, but I can't make out what he's saying like at all. There's one album which I consider kind of a hit. Like, it's a very minor success. It's a, it's a Crystal Gale album, which I think she was a pop musician in the 70s. The album's name is Miss the Mississippi. It's not a great album. It's technically listenable, so I'm calling it a hit, <laughs> but I normally wouldn't have bought that album. I knew she worked with Tom Waits on a soundtrack of a movie or something, so I just decided to give it a go. Like All in all, it's not like I spent a lot of money on these albums, but they're basically junk that I'm keeping around and I'll probably never listen to ever again. Every time I flip through my records, it's always you know a great album after a great album, and if there's stuff that's not great... It's at least something with an interesting story or something. And then at a certain point, I get to the part of my collection that consists of random junk. <laughs> When I get to these albums, I, I feel stupid for having them. And the fact that I've continuously bought them over months makes me feel even dumber. That, that does bring me pain, actually. <laughs> okay. Okay. Firewatch. It's an indie game from a first-person perspective <laughs> where you hike the woods and disturb <laughs> teenagers from having fun. That was my favorite part. And you're completely alone and you talk. Is this, is this a good direction <laughs> to, just, <laughs> to just describe it? I, I'm, I'm feeling like I, uh, I kind of I take the edge out of it. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful game. It's in like a very open surrounding. You play Hank. Hank? I Henry. Think, or maybe she just... Henry. And he hates calls, Hank. She, yeah, he <laughs> hates Hank, right. So you play Henry, who's a guy that uh, kind of runs away from a wife that uh, started <laughs> having dementia. And uh, he's uh, disturbed about it, but uh, he's going to spend uh, his time doing fire watches in one of the forests in the United States in around the, I think, 1975 or something. Um, 1989. Pretty much the same year, you know, other than a couple of numbers, <laughs> same year. <laughs> Then he gets involved with Debra, who's another Delilah. fire watcher. Or, or Delilah? <laughs> 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 oh, 
I'm just terrible <laughs> with names. No, you're doing well. You, you get the story, but all the like specific details, it's just like grey. So, Delilah, right? Yeah, Delilah. Delilah. Something with a D. I, I remember the D. And they're both like biblical names, so give me a slack. Um, Henry? Oh, hmm. Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deborah I thought Delilah. Henry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Henry. <laughs> it was one of the first. He crossed the desert with Moses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Henry, he works as a, a fire watcher in a wood <laughs> around. Shoshone the, National Forest uh, in Wyoming. And throughout the game, you talk using a walkie-talkie with Delilah, who's kind of your supervisor, but you get really close to her and you and you become good friends the, the game starts where you just you know you 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 learn about the backstory you get into your your first day and later on you continue your daily routine and everything kind of sets to normal you and, and delilah get really close and when everything kind of looks really good then suddenly you find like a clipboard next to the lake a clipboard with your dialogues with delilah scripted out and that starts to be like scary <laughs> like you're not sure who's following you who's tracking you and the whole game starts to be kind of paranoid about who's tracking you why they're doing it is it a secret cult is it uh, the government you find like this station where they you find files on you on the other on delilah on, on the other watches where where they kind of characterize your traits and it gets really really messed up and it all comes to pretty much i think the last day there's a big fire and they're evacuating all the fire watchers and on that last day you kind of start investigating more in depth you go into a cave where a previous fire watcher named what was his name? The fire watcher was Ned. No, his 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 son. <laughs> Ned and Brian. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to say Henry, but obviously <laughs> <laughs> you already used that one. <laughs> Ned and his son Brian. Or, yeah. No, not his son. Was it his son? Yeah, it was his son. It definitely yeah. was. Yeah, yeah he was sure. his son. Like you learned that he was. Um, he's been there with his son, although his son wasn't supposed to be there. And then one day, like two of them disappeared. They they just realized they they went away, and that. You know that Ned was kind of a weird person. Apparently, had PTSD. And then on the on that last day, you go into the cave, and you actually find the body of his kid, of Brian. And um, later on, you realize that everything that happened throughout the game, it was just this weird, lonely old man named Ned who couldn't cope with the death of his son. And you know, like his death in a hiking accident kind of broke Ned and he went off the grid and he just wanted to hide in the forest and wanted, basically wanted to get you off, off his track. So he would yeah. create like this whole conspiracy that you fell for. And that's like a very anticlimactic end when you realize that and because of the fire, every, everyone's been evacuated. You go to Delilah, which we, you talked with throughout the game and she, but she already left and that's it wow i i told it terribly i'm <laughs> no that's pretty good actually because it was confusing that was kind of like my interpretation of it but well I, I, there's a very simple narrative but the beauty of the game is not in the actual you know it's a, it's not in the actually 
plot line. It's about the relationships. Yeah, that, about the tension between the characters. Maybe. Um, I don't know. We'll get into that. I don't know if uh, I totally agree with that. I think the most important thing to note is that Henry and his life with his wife, Julia, the, Ju- Julia's situation with uh, the, her dementia was deteriorating. So Henry kind of took the job as a firewatch to kind of run away and hide kind of like he couldn't make the decision of whether to put his life on hold and and keep a watch on his wife who doesn't even recognize him anymore or to put his life with her behind and move on so instead of making a choice he kind of ran away to the forest and uh took a job which would put him in the wilderness alone for a few months what how how long did it take because i know i we've only played one game really before which was the inside (laughs) inside, yeah and i know it took you guys like under about three hours or so and it took me about six so what what was the scores this time like roughly how long um so the first time i played it like i was i spent a weekend at barrios uh which is kind of sounds like a name of a movie weekend at barrios but uh (laughs) weekend at barney's yeah there's something like that yeah yeah Yeah. am i dead in weekend at at barrios (laughs) i think you are (laughs) but you get cool sunglasses (laughs) nice yeah so we played it together i was playing i was holding the the controller and everything and barrio was uh uh a backseat gamer helped me with all, all the decisions and stuff. <laughs> that's that's very nice of you. Barrio was slacking <laughs> off behind, throwing the occasional remark. Yeah, I was navigating and Barrio was uh, in charge of the dialogues. <laughs> yeah, once in a while, he, he, he tried to make me feel like a part of the game. So he was like, what line do you want to choose? Do you want to pick the uh, the small dog or the big dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, the big dog. No, we're, we'll take the small dog, okay? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the game, there's a bunch of text that tells you kind of the uh, the story, and you get to choose like between a few uh, options. And I I don't know, I kind of I did I, I chose whatever I wanted. I went with the small dog. <laughs> Our stories were probably radically different. <laughs> <laughs> How long it took you? I think it took us four hours. How long did it take you? I reckon it took me probably six to eight. Because, but the thing is, I played it over quite a few days. I reckon I played it over four days. And I reckon I spent probably an hour and a half to two on each day. So, mm-hmm. definitely, like, I'd say probably about seven. But, yeah, I, like, got lost and, like, you know, took my time when it was, like, looking around and stuff like that. So Yeah, yeah. I, we didn't really take our time. I think we did it in one sitting, yeah. Barrio and I. And we didn't, like, you know, read all the notes or anything. And we just tore through it, I guess. Yeah. We binged it. Mm. Yeah. By the way, Peter, I, I wanted to ask you, like, when you play a game like this, do you feel like, okay, I had enough for today? Or you're st- saying to yourself, well, it's 2 a.m., I need to stop? Or or is it by the segments of the game? Like, every time the game is segmented by, by days. Like, every once in a while, you get a black screen with day 33. Or I would never pause, like, in the middle of a mission. Mm. I would have to wait till I get to, like, the next day, and then I'll pause it. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I used to be, like, a person that would just binge through things like basically anything i'd just binge like even if it was only like kind of good i'd binge it but yeah i don't know like in the last few years like even if i really like something like a good book or something i still stop like after every chapter and have to take a break so i kind of liked it that way because otherwise it would feel like just a dream or something like that but like doing it in intervals i kind of felt like i could sit and think about it for a little bit exactly so um yeah I was kind of stuck at Barrios for that weekend. Like, I wasn't stuck there. I could stuck? leave. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's weekend at Barrios. You know, you, you have to bury the body before you go. <laughs> 
No, but in a way, like there was this holiday in Israel where I, I'm not going to go too deeply into it, but you can't drive cars. You can't basically do anything. Everything is closed. So I just stayed at Barrio's for that holiday. Um, and like we usually have all the friends kind of stuck together in the same place every year. But mm-hmm. this time, because it was kind of a lockdown, uh, most people just stayed at home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I was kind of stuck at Barrio's and we just played through the whole thing at once. Um, so, but how'd you, how'd you like the experience? How'd you like the, the story in the game? Um, I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. I had some moments where I was a bit confused, didn't know where to go, and I ended up working it out, which kind of gives you like a nice feeling of satisfaction when you do work it out. But um, And there were some tough bits. Like I remember towards the end with the cave, you had to get, I can't remember the name of them, but you had to get some sort of thing to like shove into the rock before you could kind of anchors like, or something. scale down yeah. yeah like anchors almost and um that one took me like half an hour just like because I, I knew i had to look through everything but i couldn't figure out exactly what i needed it for well, you're basically so, walking around the wilderness and, and looking for an item yeah so it so could that was, take a while that was a tough one but um and there was a couple like that but yeah i, I did enjoy it actually i it made me a little bit more open to sort of games like this because there's something about games like this that like freak me out, like having to like do it yourself and stuff. I kind of like games that like, like FIFA or something like that. Like, you, you know, you're on the pitch and you get given a ball and stuff like that. You don't have to look for the ball. Like, you know, it, but this one is sort of like, you don't know exactly what you're doing. Sometimes you sort of have a vague idea. So, but even, even that I, I actually quite enjoyed this one. It was, um, yeah, it was interesting. And I think, like, the dialogue was also, like, one of the most interesting things for me. I I was a bit skeptical as to whether my choices in the dialogue was having any effect on, like, the direction. Because when I was, like, making all these decisions, I was trying to stay, like, completely, like, faithful to Julia. And, like, any time Delilah would say something sort of, like, that would, like, open up the floor to, like, a like a dramatic response, I'd sort of like calm down and be like, yeah, okay, that sounds cool and like <laughs> try to play it calmly. But then I feel like it was sort of just determined anyway yeah. um, to be on the same like path anyway. There was just some like minor deviations. And then like towards the end, you'd get less and less choices and then sometimes like she'd say something like sort of provocative and like I was, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll respond to you with something. I'll try to like, calm down, you know, try to get back to normal and stuff but then like the two responses like were both like amping her up more and i'm like well i don't want to do this so (laughs) it's not what i want to say (laughs) yeah so like none of those answers were stuff i would do but um yeah so i don't know like i still enjoyed picking them but i just i felt like sometimes like the picking bit was like just a little bit of a novelty thing like i didn't actually make any choices but it was still fun when you do get a choice it it changes only like uh, minor things it doesn't change the story at all yeah because you still get to the same place it did make you think about what you're missing like about if you're missing yeah. out on something mm. i think that was a brilliant mechanism and that kind of well i guess we'll talk about kind of like the what do you feel the message of the game was but i think that whatever the message is actually is part of making the choices even if they don't really take effect because you don't know it as a player then you you feel some sort of a responsibility. you feel implicated yeah <laughs> yeah it gives you the illusion of like you're affecting the game yeah, yeah. but but and and it gets you more connected with Henry's character and Definitely. with the actual implications of what you do yeah exactly. i think there's like an ikea study where like 
people who make their own furniture actually feel like a deeper connection towards like their coffee table and stuff like that because I actually put I it together. I definitely relate to that. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I was sure when we played it that most of what happened in the game is because you threw the girl's stereo to the water. Yeah. Oh, did you do that? Yeah. He is an asshole. So. <laughs> oh, man. No, I was, I was, I did the good guy move. I'm like, oh, sorry to disturb you and all that stuff. So, But then he ended up dissing the girls anyway later. So, like, yeah. see, like, I'm, my, my character clearly is, like, not a moral hero. Yeah. Your first mission in the game is to take care of these two teenagers that uh, we've mentioned earlier, that they're starting a fire and they're throwing a bunch of empty beer cans all around and... Delilah is asking you to go and, I don't know, like scare them or something. I don't remember. But you go and you see them uh, skinny dipping in the lake with a boombox right outside of the lake. And when I saw a boombox and I saw the lake, I immediately just picked it up, threw it in the water. <laughs> and then the girls got angry and they left. I remember, I think Delilah was angry at me for uh, destroying the boombox. And every once in a while later throughout the story, they mention it. Oh, really? Yeah, they kind of mention it as if it's like the turning point in the story. You know, it's like, if you didn't do that, then mm-hmm. maybe everything would be fine. The, the girls wouldn't be angry or anything. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but then I later played the game again, and I just left the boombox alone and tried to see if there was any difference. And other than a few lines of text later, there's no difference whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. And mm. most of the bigger choices other than to throw the boombox in or, or not is like to name the turtle that you find or mm. uh, Delilah is making a, a, a drawing of you. So she's asking you about your appearance. So there's a few decisions to make there. But other than that, th- th- it's a good mechanism. Like Barrio said, it makes you feel like you're responsible for a lot of things, but they don't really change the story at all. Mm. It's kind of like in real life where you think you make the choices, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's, it's all been predetermined. Yeah, the illusion of free will. <laughs> Barrio, do, do you want to tell us about your experience? generally yeah um well first of all the game is stunning visually it's just beautiful throughout the game you're only in the forest but you experience different weathers in it and it's done really well and i don't know maybe you know it's because we're the playstation one generation but i still can't get enough of trees actually looking like trees (laughs) because i i i keep expecting the trees will be like those uh, very rough polygons that very sharp (laughs) yeah that you can that you can find you know sharp corners to like it's not too real but you do experience beautiful sunsets and sunrises and dark nights with forest fires looming i have to say about the graphics they're a bit cartoonish the colors are maybe a bit too saturated but it feels like you're actually outside in the wilderness, you know, because you're walking around and sometimes the the walking takes like, I don't know, like five minutes to get from place to place, from point to point. And it does feel like you're navigating and you're outside and then the sun sets and it does make you feel like you're outside and doing stuff. Peter, do you feel so as well? Um, Well, I played it on the Nintendo Switch, so it might be a little bit different for me, but I did notice the color saturation was very saturated but in terms of the actual visuals it was very nice it gave you the feeling of being outside yeah like especially when you spend the whole day inside it's actually a a refreshing sort of um scene to look at what's the size of the screen of the nintendo switch Hmm, i think it might be like six seven inches or something Mm, yeah Yeah, it's like a small tablet yeah but it was very nice actually like because i played it in bed and like yeah it's just very relaxing Mm. you know no i totally agree the visuals something works there yeah the visuals also play their role very well in creating the atmosphere of being 
alone all the time. Like it's something that you feel like straight away in the game that you're alone. Yeah. Like you never see anyone. Even, you know, you talk with Delilah on the walkie-talkie, but you never see her. When you run into the teenage girls, you see them from the distance and only their silhouettes. Yeah, exactly. You see Ned's... When you run into him, he's a dark figure. Uh, you distance. see the, his uh, kid, uh, um, Brian's body, but he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's, not, he's not moving much. No, um, not saying much. <laughs> and together with this very big surrounding, which pretty much feel like an open world. Obviously, it's not, but it, yeah. it, it does a great job in, in making you feel that way. You, you get the feeling that you're alone. And when things start to get paranoid, where you think that someone's tracking you, that something fishy is going on, Like I remember when we were at the station where you find all those files about you. Wapity station. Yeah. Then me and Nun were actually panicked that they're going to return yeah. because we were alone so long. And we weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. And they're going to come. They're going to come. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. And when uh, we went away and it suddenly caught on fire. And again, like... How the fire looks in, in this, that very peaceful surrounding, that's a very good job with the contrast of both the visuals and the, the relaxed side of the game and what's happening. And sometimes that fire is something that is alarming and something it's something that is coming. That's a very interesting play on the same concept. And I think that you know the voice actor that did uh, the Lila did a terrific job. Yeah like, C Jones. Yeah, I, I You know, I fell for her. She, she was awesome. She was funny and, and light, but when she panicked and, and I got to say that I think the end was anticlimactic because at the end, like if your character would have sat in his watchtower all day, it would bring to the same outcome. But after kind of thinking about the game, then I started seeing those patterns that create the experience for you as a player. The redundant choices that you do, they play a major role there. But also kind of like the plot line of trying to run from your problems. And, and a very cool thing is, is that that's kind of like what we also do with, with that game, right? Like one of the things that I really like games is being disconnected from the real world. And I think that what the tone of the game is that you can, you can do that and, and it might be fine, but your problems are not going anywhere. Like at the end, you, you get the feeling that that Henry is going to Australia to visit Julia, his wife, and he'll have to face it. So I, I, like I said, I played this game twice, one time with Barrio, and then one time I played it alone. And like I, I had a lot of fun playing this game, Firewatch. It has a lot of interesting themes. It really gets you thinking. And like Barrio said, the story builds a fair amount of suspense, and it does it so well with the, 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 the progression of the story and the voice acting and the tension in the music. I have to say, even in my second playthrough, when I knew what was going to happen and where the story is going and, and where everyone is located and everything, it still got me. I was still feeling a bit uneasy. Like, you know, uh, after you get out of Wapiti Station and the fire starts and you're deep into this conspiracy, and I know that, that it's not really a conspiracy, but something about the voice acting still got me going, still got my heart beating. And I have a lot to say about this game, but what I think the most important thing to say about this game is, I think something, Peter, you kind of touched upon, is that this game is really accessible, you know? Like, it's not that 
it's just the best game ever made or anything, but I think it's a game that anyone can pick up and play, even if you're used to playing only FIFA or, uh, I don't know, like racing games or whatever. I think both experienced and inexperienced gamers alike can really appreciate this game, because like, if you're an experienced gamer, you'll get through this game fairly quickly and you'll get to enjoy a great story, and it's a very nice experience all in all. But if you're inexperienced, then... Here's a game in which you can't really fail or die in. The most stuck you'll get in this game is while navigating from point to point, but the world isn't too big, and if you get lost, I think Delilah can give you hints every once in a while. She does, yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to control. It has a lovely sense of humor, and the story, again, is great, and it's really not that long of a game, even if it takes you like six or eight hours I think it's an easy game to get into. Mm. And I think it opens the door to like, you know, this new world of short storytelling games. I think the game shows how much potential video games have as a storytelling medium, you know? I think everyone should give this a go. Mm. Obviously, I really enjoyed this game. (laughs) I was a bit confused about the meaning, actually, because like the basic meaning I got from it was just, you know, running away from your problems is just not the right way to to solve them. Yeah. And part of it was um, also the fact that Delilah was constantly pushing him to investigate, like, oh, what's in the cave? Go to the cave and stuff like that. So when he was actually the fire watch, he was constantly facing his problems. He was constantly walking into the danger zone. Hmm. And that's what ended up solving the problems. That's interesting. The whole endeavor in general was just him avoiding and done the problem so um it was good at the end i thought the ending was fitting for him actually not giving into his impulse and not running away with delilah but actually like coming back to australia and you know settling things there but um i wasn't a big fan of the ending in general but i do think like the general like direction it went in i thought was pretty good yeah that's interesting i didn't think about like the whole time he was there he was facing his troubles like I said, he, he got the Firewatch because he was running away from a big decision he had to make, from, from a big problem in his life. And about that theme, about running away from you know your past and, and being faced with tough decisions, I think Henry, you know, as the main character, he takes this job, like we said, to run away from a decision. He's not sure if he's supposed to put his life on hold and take care of his sick wife, or if he should move on and, and live his life. And I think it compares interestingly with the other characters, because... Ned, the hermit that lives in the wilderness, he is avoiding any contact with society. Partly, like, it started because he, I think he was a military man, and he has PTSD, and that's why he got to the Shoshone National Forest in the first mm. place. But he, rightfully so, blames himself for the death of Brian, his his son. And I think after that happened, he kind of made the decision of staying away from society altogether. And Delilah, I'm not exactly sure about her story, about how the theme is presented in her character, but here's what I think. Like At some point, she mentions that she blew up this great relationship she had with a guy named Javier. 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 <laughs> and she said she took the job in the park with, with a broken heart, much like Henry. And I think that, in a way, both Delilah's and Ned's characters represent a possible future Henry character, kind of. Like... Delilah is a Henry that couldn't make a decision and got stuck in the same place. You know, like, she ran away to hide in the Shoshone National Forest as uh, a Firewatch supervisor, and she got stuck there 
for 10 years. And I think that's a possibility for Henry's future. Just get stuck where he went to hide and instead of actually making a decision. And Ned, uh, maybe, I'm not sure if it's true, but I think he's the Henry that made the wrong choice and can't change the past anymore. I- I'm not exactly sure about this, though. I'd love to know if you have a different interpretation of this. I do like that interpretation, though, that Delilah is sort of like, yeah, he would just end up being this guy with a broken heart, chatting up little walkers, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't know, in the end, all the characters are forced to make a change in their lives. Like, there's a forest fire that forces Ned to move on to a new area and leave his, Brian's, his son's buddy behind. And Delilah decides to not come back to the park the next year. I think... I, I think we don't know what she's going to do next, but she's moving on with her life mm. after a decade in the park. And you, as Henry, you have to decide. Uh, like, the conversation tree in the end lets you choose between going back to take care of Julia or to move on with your life and put her behind you. Which, again, leads me to talk about the endings of the game. Did you guys notice that there are sort of alternate endings? No, I didn't. I Well, depending on what we picked, I picked the go back to Julia. What did you guys pick? Exactly. We chose that one as well. Okay. Which, yeah, to call the other endings alternate endings is a bit of a stretch because there's not a bunch of difference between mm-hmm. them. But the, the the ending that you chose, the, the ending that we chose as well, we're going to call it the good ending, I think. <laughs> like, that's how I feel about it because it's the one we got on our first playthrough, Barrio, and what you got, Peter. And I'm guessing most people end up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a guess, but that's how I feel. And... So at the end of the game, there's a forest fire and everyone's being evacuated from the area, like we said. And before the helicopter comes to pick you up, you have one last conversation with Delilah. You talk about what's next for both of you. And Delilah asks if you're going to go back to Julia. And if you say that you are going to do that, then you can board the helicopter and go home. And that's the end of the game. Now, the first alternative ending happens when you tell Delilah that you plan to move on with your life. Mm. Uh, That's the ending I got on my second playthrough. I tried to make different choices. And the difference between this ending and the quote-unquote good ending is that when you climb aboard the helicopter, you can see Henry's hand for a second and he no longer wears his wedding ring. Oh, yeah. It's a very small difference. Okay. Because did you guys put on the wedding ring in the room? No, we totally missed it. Uh, I later found out that there's, I don't know, throughout the game, Henry takes off his wedding ring and places it on the desk, I think, Mm. Peter? Yeah. And you can pick it up and wear it again. It's not a huge difference between the two endings, but it's there. And then there's a second alternate ending, which happens, like, no matter what you choose uh, in the uh, dialogue tree, but if you go outside to the helicopter and you wait long enough and you don't get in, after a while, the helicopter takes off without you and you get left behind, presumably to die in the forest fire and the screen goes black and the credits roll. We'll call that the bad ending. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It kind of feels like Henry couldn't decide what to do with himself even at that point and like the time to make a decision just ran out. Hmm. The alternate endings, they're not really different. They're not changing the story at all. Just tell you a bit about what goes on through Henry's head at that point. Mm. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, really interesting. I like it. So what did you guys actually think of the endings in general? Like, did you were you a fan of the way it ended or did, would you rather like a big dialogue and seeing 
Julia. Yeah, role. I think both of us were kind of disappointed at first. Like we, we I remember distinctly calling it anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people do. I read about it later, and a lot of people kind of like this game is generally well liked everyone kind of likes the gameplay and the the dialogues and everything but a lot of people think the end is anticlimactic which i think barrio just you, you mentioned it earlier yeah i kind of agree i don't know, to me the fact that the grand conspiracy that you're led to believe to be a part of ends up to be kind of nothing kind of a trick by ned and that everything in the story can be explained once you have the details maybe anticlimactic but it makes the whole thing feel like it could be real like something that could actually happen and as much as it is anticlimactic i think it's cool to have a story that you know isn't a weird made-up kind of Mm. thing that wouldn't make sense in the real world you know know. that's what i i feel about what i previously said life is anticlimactic right so you go and do this these activities to to get like uh you know, something that's weird or, or, or different or adventurous. Exactly. That's a that's a cool part about video games that you can be an astronaut or you can go explore other stars or whatever. Yeah, and then when you play this entire game and <laughs> and eventually it's it's so similar to real life, that's kinda I don't know, in my book that's kinda like the definition of of anticlimactic. You know, because you expect this climax in this game. Otherwise why play it? And and I think that yeah. you know, because you don't get it then you turn around and start looking along the way that you made. And the beauty of the game is is there, like, and, and in how it resonates with where you are now, but not in the game, in real life. So that's that's a, that's a, that's a cool trick, I think, that the writers of the game did. It kind of actually reminded me, the ending, just of um, Inside as well. Because Inside, the big blob just rolls up to the sand, and that's like the end. It just fades out. It just kind of reminds me of the same thing. Like, it just leaves the possibilities sort of open a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, but I think that the, the the difference between here and Play Dead's Inside, as much as the ending in both of them is kind of abrupt, I think that with Inside, the, the ending, the first time you finish the game, is just the beginning of the story, you know? You, then you find out that there's a secret ending, and then you, after the secret ending, you find out that there's a bunch of hidden puzzles and a, a whole alternative reality gaming. And here, once you're done, you can go back and 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 kind of, you know, view the story from a different perspective, yeah. from the perspective of someone who knows what's actually going on. But there's nothing to dig deeper into, yeah. you know? There's the relationships, there's the themes, but inside... You can keep going for hours and hours, even outside of the game, just mm. exploring the website, you know, all, all of the things that surround the game. But here, once you're done, you're done. Yeah, I agree. Which isn't a bad thing. Like, there's, there's, it leaves you with a lot of things to think about. I don't know. I definitely agree that the ending is anticlimactic, but I, I kind of liked it. I know we did this with the Harry Potter epilogue, but what would you want the ending to, ending to be? Like, just... In your head, like, what do you think could be, like, an awesome ending? I'll be totally honest. I thought that we're going to either meet Delilah at the end or at least convince her to come and meet us and live with us. I totally thought that we're going to leave Julia behind and go be happy with Delilah, Mm. which I guess says a lot about me, but uh, (laughs) let's not get into that. I guess like see, seeing Delilah was never an option. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to break this illusion, yeah, right? No. Like you would you talk with her in the walkie talkie throughout the game and that create this whole fantasy and you wouldn't want to break that. Mm, so yeah. 
Would you would you want it to end in kind of like a Fight Club kind of way that uh, to realize? Oh wait, Delilah uh, was always in your yeah, head. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 there like, is no Delilah. Like, yeah, there is no Delilah. And Henry is actually <laughs> Henry is actually the one with the dementia, and Julia went to be a fire watch, and. And he's oh in, well, now that's the ending I want. Yeah, and he's in Australia, <laughs> oh and, and he's trying to to make sense of his mind, and the doctors are tracking him, and uh, I don't know. That sounds freaking cool. Actually, <laughs> we need to have that. That's awesome. <laughs> I think I think there's actually one point he he actually mentions it. Yeah, he like he, he's saying, uh, "Are you even real? Or is this real, or am I?" The peak I, of his paranoia. Yeah. He's asking Delilah if she's even real. And she says, the first rule of Firewatch is you don't talk about Firewatch. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it at the beginning when, when you're saying that, uh, that you saw this uh, creepy figure. And <laughs> she's like, Henry, I have something to tell you. It might come to a shock to you, but this, everything you see is outside. And people come and go as they please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she she was really great. <laughs> yeah, Delilah's character was I I think amazing. Like you said, Barrio, the the voice acting was great, and just as a companion, like the conversations with her are interesting and funny, and she gives the game most of its personality. I would say. Yeah. And she's a great guide. Like she's she's your boss in the story, and she gives you goals and stuff to do, and she gives you tips and hints yeah. if you need them. But she doesn't feel like. Like, you know, um, I don't know, what's a good uh, guide in a game? Like Navi from Ocarina of Time or Murphy from Raymond, which, you know, they're annoying. <laughs> they're awful guys. She, she's great. Yeah. She, she's <laughs> like, it took me so annoying. annoying. Yeah. And it took me a while to notice that she's even guiding me. You know, she was just part of the story. She was a great yeah. character. I don't know. And in the end, you kind of found out that she, she knew more about what was going on than she let yeah. on. Yeah. I feel like when Delilah was like, I was like walking into something and I wasn't sure what it was. And she's like, oh, you know, don't worry too much about this. Then I'd like relax. <laughs> and then if I was just walking along and she said, oh, no. And, and I'd be like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Like, <laughs> so whenever she would react, I would like just emotionally have to course correct just to like um, be with, be on her level. So I'm like, oh, well, she knows more. So, you know. She's scared. I'm pretty scared. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we reacted the same. Yeah, I never thought Definitely. about it, but that's a good point. Yeah. I love it. Like that, you're you're alone in the game, but you're not lonely, right? Because you keep talking with Delilah. Mm. Yeah, you kind of feel isolated, but you're not lonely. Sort of like listening to a podcast on a hike. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So whoever whoever hears this and you're on a hike, just. Remember that you're not alone. We're your Delilah. Except physically when you are alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when that bear comes out from behind that tree, that you're, you are These, alone. <laughs> the sound waves won't help yeah. you. No. <laughs> so I, it's kind of obvious, especially on a second playthrough, that Delilah, you know, isn't completely honest with Henry throughout the story. She, she definitely knows that Ned you know, lives in the area and that sometimes Brian is with Ned. I don't like she, she let that suspicious conversation slip through the radio that one time. And she seems to not know about Wapiti station where all of the science equipment is, even though it's actually visible from her tower. Mm -hmm. When you're in that Wapiti station, you can look around and you actually have a clear line 
to her tower. She, there's no way she doesn't know about it. Even even if the scientists, there's at some point you can find a note that tells you that the scientists are there only in the off season, like after everyone's gone. So Delilah isn't there when they're there, but the station is there. The, she knows there's something there. Like she's been working there for a decade. She knows something's there, you know? And there's a few theory videos on YouTube. Uh, Peter, have you seen any of them? No, I haven't. The main thing, there's a few theories about Delilah's character. And the main thing that everyone's theorizing about is that, you know, that Delilah was covering for Ned, like not reporting him and that he was the one who delivers uh, her food and stuff. Like at some point you have to go and Mm. pick up a bunch of food for yourself. And she says, oh, I have it delivered to my door and stuff like that. So Mm. it's probably Ned and... Like a few people think that Ned is in love with Delilah and is jealous of Henry's and Delilah's friendship. And I don't know, some people say that Ned and Delilah, you know, keep each other company throughout the time where in which Delilah is in the area and stuff like that. But I don't know. I like personally, I don't think that Delilah knew that Brian died. Uh, I don't mm. think she uh, I think she thought that she that he Brian went back home. Um I don't know, what do you guys think was Delilah's part in the whole thing? Do you, do you at all think that she had any secret motivations or something? I got to say, I've been waiting to say that. And like the thing with the, with her being surprised that other people can hear what you talk about in a walkie-talkie was just like, are, are you serious? You, you're working here for 10 years and you don't know that you can, you know, you can, it's just a radio yeah. signal. You can basically take a radio and, and listen. Yeah, you can buy any old walkie-talkie and just, you know, change a channel until you hit up on a conversation or something. That was, I don't know, that was surprising. And I still didn't understand why taking another walkie-talkie is, is the way to solve this issue. And that kind of made me doubt in, in, in Deborah altogether. Yeah, she gave him an old walkie-talkie. Uh, like, again, at the peak of paranoia, she kind of convinces him that everything's not okay, but that they're working together to solve it and she kind of gives him she plants this older walkie-talkie in one of those cash boxes what do you call them supply boxes supply caches and she tells him that this one is untapped which is dumb because just just a a, a, i don't know a generic walkie-talkie set to a certain channel so I think she had some sort of relationship with Ned because I do think that he was delivering the food and I think that he was the one who she asked to plant the walkie-talkie because to get to the place where she hid the walkie-talkie for Henry to, to find, she had to walk a bunch of miles and she had to go right under Henry's tower. Why not hide it in a bush near his tower? I don't know. Mm. There's a lot of suspicious things. What, what do you think, Peter? Well, that last point, actually, I kind of, maybe has convinced me but i no i kind of thought her only sort of th- secret was just that she was covering for ned like cuz she knew ned wasn't really supposed to be there and he doesn't she didn't really know what happened to brian so i think she and she obviously didn't report on ned like years ago when you know which could have saved brian's life but i kind yeah. of thought she was just trying to just let that situation sort of just sit and try to like keep it separate from the Henry thing. And, um, but yeah, I think the walkie talkie placement is interesting. I think, yeah, potentially, I don't know. I never thought she had connection with Ned. I, I thought, I thought she wouldn't have any, any radio communication, but I don't know. Now I'm kind of thinking it's a possibility. 
I don't know. It does seem a bit sus, actually, that she would walk that far. I don't know what her connection with Ned is. I think it's a shallow relationship. Like, I I, I think she knew he was around and she just didn't mind that he was living there. Mm. Maybe, maybe they spent some time together when she was on the job and, you know, they had some sort of a friendship. But I think she was just trying to protect Ned. I don't know. I think she made a few bad, irresponsible decisions throughout the years. Uh, stuff that could have kept Brian from dying and stuff like that. But I don't think she had any bad intentions, like mm. some of those theories claim. I think she went along with the crazy conspiracy to make Henry think that something bigger was going on. She acted like she didn't know anything. And I think that she did that to distract Henry from the truth, from, from Ned, until he goes back home and forgets all about it. I think that Ned took the whole thing too far and Delilah thought she could have you know, keep the situation under control. And she has a few moments of panic when Ned is acting unexpectedly. Um, Mm. And I don't know. I think that if Ned hadn't left that clipboard for Henry to accidentally find, just like Barrio said, nothing would have happened and things wouldn't have gone that way. And the whole season would, you know, just be another quiet season. I think I totally agree with Barrio. You mentioned it right at the beginning. Mm. I don't know. I think the, the theory videos take things a bit too far. I don't think there's too much to read into this. I may be wrong, but that's how I feel. I don't like, like with the scientific experiment conspiracy in the game, where everything has a simple explanation in the end. I think it's the same with Delilah. Everything has just a simple explanation, and it, there's nothing too deep to read into this. I don't know. Uh, another thing that I didn't get too deep into but it's an interesting one, is that Henry was, you know, he was bored at the job. He was bored of being alone in the forest, so he was just looking for stuff to to, to interest him, you know, just mm. planting evidence for conspiracy theories where there's nothing at all. Mm. So I don't know. I think it's the same with Delilah. I think, you know, she has a deeper story. She has, uh, she's made mistakes in the past. She has a connection to the whole thing, but I don't think she had any bad intentions i don't think she was trying to be a part of anything yeah you know there, there's a lot of times when you when you're angry or disappointed or, or have some sort of a negative feeling towards another person and i keep finding out that you know as long as you keep it inside it just grows and grows it's, it's kind of like an echo that's being amplified inside your head like something very small can turn someone to be a villain in your in your head and like the most important thing to do in those situations is just you know talk to that other person, and then like finally this whole conspiracy theory that you created in your head just you know crumbles, and and you find out that it's simply another human being who's trying to do you know what he thinks is right. Yeah. And I think that's that's uh, yeah it's it's what we also see in the in the game. You know, there's Ned and he's trying to do what he thinks is right. He also tries to explain to you, like, in in his tape. Yeah, near the end, when he has to move to another place and you're being evacuated, he leaves you a tape that leads you to his place and and shows you that he's behind everything and that everything has a simple explanation. I remember that part. I was like, what? So it's just this one guy? (laughs) Because it was so scary, there was this... Henry written on the wall in an arrow when you were supposed to climb. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is happening. And and everything is so, like, uh, apocalyptic. Yeah, the, the forest fire, fire is uh, getting out of hand and, like, there's ash and, and smoke everywhere and 
the colors are not as beautiful as they were up until that point. Yeah. So I, I remember that it, when we saw that arrow of Henry to, to climb up, yeah. I was thinking we're going to find out about something that's going <laughs> to end the world. Yeah, but we actually found the cave in which Ned was living and collecting all the data and stuff. And uh, everything became clear. Do you guys wonder if the setting of the story, the Shoshone National Forest in Wyoming is, is a real place? Oh, I assumed it was. Yeah, but... yeah. so I, I kind of read about it. Uh, obviously, the, the Shoshone Forest is a real place. But like, you know, some of the places on the map that you use in the game, some are real, but they've been moved around a bit to be closer to each other for, you know, for the sake of the gameplay. Mm. In some places like that Jonesy Lake are, are, are completely just made up. And also in the game, some of the plants and stuff that you see, you know, like in the fauna are, are not exactly faithful to reality. So if you do go and visit that specific forest, it won't look exactly like it does in the game. Which, Damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you, I, I try to think about if I could take a job like this, a job where you barely see anyone else for, for a few months. You don't really have anyone to talk to because like, you know, Delilah said she, she doesn't spend much time talking to the other towers. So I'm guessing that if you don't make a connection with your boss, then you're on your own. And, you know, the upside, of course, is that you get to have all the time in the world and you get to spend it in peace and quiet in nature. And if everything goes according to plan, you should be able to not have a single worry on your mind. Would you guys do something like, uh, like that? Mm. And let's assume that this you know, it's today and you have technology and like you'll have your phone, maybe an internet connection. I don't know. I don't know. Career wise, it's probably not the best thing, but honestly, probably I not. probably would. It It is pretty, it sounds pretty fun and you hope you have a good connection with the person that's actually, you know, your guide or whatever. So, yeah, you know, it would be a shame if you like kicked off and it's like, oh, you know, so how you going? What bands do you listen to? And they're like, Oh, I don't know, you too. And then you have to sort of get over that. Spoilers. You know? So it would be tough. <laughs> but yeah, like, so you, you definitely want to hopefully get a good supervisor. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it would be fun. I think I could probably do it. It would be an adventure. It's not like you're under-resourced and have to make your own thing. Like, you have a bed and everything like that. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Barrio? How's the food there? Um, A lot of canned food. Yeah. But he he had a stove, right? Got to cook those cans somehow. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I remember they had peanut butter and, and some fruit. But other than that, mostly mostly canned food, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can hunt and fish illegally, but you can. <laughs> yeah, although, like, I wouldn't... Even if I caught a fish, I wouldn't know what to do with it. You'd have um, months and months to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start. I'll start talking. With yeah. Them. <laughs> um. Yeah. I think. Well, well, how many months? Just under three. Yeah. A few. Uh, just three a months. summer. Three months. Let's say. Yeah. Like it sounds like a very long time to be alone. You you have uh, headphones so you can listen to um to podcasts. Yeah. I. I it feels like it's a one in. A, it's. It sounds like a very special experience. Yeah. It definitely does, especially. You know, like everyone said, like we talked about earlier, the game is kind of segmented into days. And there's a few days where you you kind of drop into the story where Henry is sitting on like a cliff and looking at the sunset. And it feels so relaxing and fun. I don't know. I Just thinking about doing something like that. Like, I love to think that I would be able to do it and enjoy myself. But honestly, when I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it seriously, I 
really don't know. Like, I, I like to tell myself that I love being alone and that all I want is a bunch of time for books and podcasts, but I'm more social than I sometimes think I am. You know, like, I need to see people on a regular basis, I think. It's kind of similar to the question that we talked about a while back, the one with uh, the $5 million for 30 days in a room experiment, which <laughs> I yeah. didn't think I could do. <laughs> yeah, it is similar. I think that being alone for three months is, is harsh. The environment would be much better than in that experiment, but there won't be a $5 million reward at the end. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What, what happens if you could record the podcast from your tower? That would be amazing. Like if you could, Henry took a typewriter with him to write because like the main part of the job is just staying at the tower and every once in a while, take a look around and see if you can spot any smoke or something. But they they even said in the in the game, most people go to that job to, to you know, find some peace and quiet to write a book or something. So mm. if you do get, you know, to take a laptop with you and you get an internet connection and you get to record a podcast and, you know, literally have all the time in the world to research whatever we're doing for that podcast, which with what we're going to do for next episode, I really wouldn't want that extra time. But um, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like, you know, it's like being in the lockdown we've been in a while, a while back, but with a much bigger apartment, which consists of all of nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you're alone, but you're connected. You have your laptop and uh, an internet connection and everything. It sounds so much fun, but I honestly, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. Would Would you have done it with another with another person of your choosing? Well, with you in the tower or in a like uh, an adjacent tower? With you in the tower. Mm, yeah. Then definitely, definitely, yeah. That would be way more fun. Yeah. Like you can pick one, but remember, you have to. You, you're only with and you, oh, and you don't have a walkie-talkie to talk with other people, right? You're only with this person for three months, but you you have the entire forest, you know. I can choose whoever I want. Like I can choose a celebrity or. A... <laughs> but it's no, a good. It's a good question. <laughs> Do you want a celebrity there with you? Because like I'm. I'm just gonna pull. Chance... <laughs> I'm just gonna pull Crim <laughs> Chris Hemsworth out from the next Avengers movie and just. Just bunk with him. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, Marvel, we need we need to do a fire watch. Yeah. Uh, we need to take, uh. No, but if you can take a friend or something with you, definitely, yeah. Although I, I think I think it's a great way to destroy a friendship, right? Like, it's, it's so intense being only with <laughs> someone for three months. Yeah, but you can, like, it's it's summer. It's always, you, you're always going to have good weather. So, yeah, I don't know, just take a day in the lake and not see each other for a while. I don't know. Yeah. Could be fun. I I have to say again, Peter was right when he said that it's not a good career decision, but it's a, it's a great adventure. I feel bad for being the one who brings up the career decision. Like, so boring. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Now, um, also, the, um, the voice actor who plays um, Henry was also one of um, Nate's friends in Devil Wears Prada thought i just mentioned oh that. really huh yeah. i remember going into imdb and finding out who who did the voice and i remember it was someone who was kind of familiar to me but i forgot about it yeah he was mm. really good yeah I, I have to say i kind of uh, throughout the game i always like you only see henry's hands and and yeah. legs throughout the game because it's first person except yeah. There's one picture on his desk of him and Julia, and you can kind of see his face. And in the um, credits, like in the middle of the game, you find a like a disposable camera, 
and you accidentally take a selfie of yourself and throughout the game you can use the camera to take pictures of stuff and in the credits you get to see all the pictures that you've taken and you get to see Henry's face in that selfie he accidentally took of himself but throughout the game I always imagined because of the voice and the kind of the the, the body build that you kind of extrapolate from his legs and hands I always imagined him to be Mr. Incredible from the Marvel not Marvel well, from the Incredible Pixar Pixar movie yeah the the big uh, blonde chunky guy that's what I imagined I was throughout the game which was kind of fun oh well, no I imagined <laughs> much more sort of like I just imagined like this generic human like mm. just like a just like a wee avatar you know like <laughs> absolutely like no definable characteristics mm. regular regular hair regular nose <laughs> just no, nothing important yeah yeah I think I think I did as well Peter, you know, I I think I don't remember how you look like, so I so tried... that's that's what that's who I look like. <laughs> I just look like generic generic <laughs> human. Yeah, in a way, Peter, you're uh, our Delilah, a good friend who we never met. Uh, we don't really know how you look like. <laughs> Do you know anything about uh, the any conspiracy or uh, are you a part of anything uh, <laughs> nefarious? <laughs> uh, no, only that I do not exist. <laughs> the first rule of the Culture podcast no, is <laughs> this game is a very fun experience and I think anyone can pick it up and enjoy it. I totally recommend, you know, having a friend or two over, settling in for a few hours and just going through the game in one sitting. You know, maybe take your time more than Barry and I did because, like, we didn't stop and read all the notes and everything. But, you know, it's fun to have people with you to speculate together about what's going to happen as you go. And I don't know, I'm not sure how good this game is for backseat gamers. Barrio can maybe tell us about his experience, but I think it's still a good experience. I'd recommend playing it with friends, you know, just so you'd have someone to talk about the game with. And if that doesn't seem important to you, go it alone then. I I think it's worth a go, even if you don't consider yourself a video game kind of person. On the other hand, it might not be that great of an experience after listening to all of the spoilers in this episode, but... Uh, <laughs> If you got all the way to this point of the podcast, maybe... Just pause now. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, I can pretty much take the leadership role of not being a gamer in terms of, um, you know, my experience. And um, no, it's totally good. Like, I'm always a little bit, like, nervous about going into a game because it's just like, it does require skill, which I don't possess. Um, (laughs) But this one was, this one was like, kind of easier to get through, still made you feel like you were doing something important and um, it made you think, but not not in a way that's like going to punish you if you don't think of things before you get to them, you know, like you can, you can just play it at a leisurely pace and like it is a lot of fun. I'd say like the ending for me was a little bit of a letdown, but overall it was like a really good and enjoyable experience. So as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not Firewatch has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide. We will each have a chance to persuade each other and state our case for or against Firewatch's induction to the Queg, and then we will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay. And the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. Let's have a vote. So why, why I think that there's not, not a lot of chances for it to go into the Queg, I do want to make a case that it's a game that it's not just about the game itself. It's about the game in the Quag. So imagine that I'm a culture quester and I go to the Quag and I want to start experiencing things. 
this could be the, the, the first interactive experience that someone who wants to experience the Quag will go through. Thinking about video games in general, like I kind of look at it similarly to comic books. Like I do feel like the genre in general is at a bit of a disadvantage because it's, it's so easy to define when you have a good movie or a good album, but a good comic book sometimes is harder to put your finger on or it's just we're less acquainted with what we really want out of a comic book. So sometimes it can impress us, but because it's surprised us, we sort of don't really know if we like it or if we're being fooled by it a little bit. So this to me is actually a really, really fun video game. It it felt like at some points maybe a little bit basic. Like there were like obviously a game that you get through in six hours. It's not one you will play, you know, on and off for the rest of your life or anything like that. But when I think about it compared to um, Inside, like for me, this was a step up from Inside. Like Inside was fun, but this was just a little bit more. I, I just I felt like it was more fun to be honest. Um, this one just like. The theme was a little bit brighter, still obviously like a dark mystery, but like <laughs> it just, you know, it felt like I was in it a little bit more. But like I keep thinking like what happens if there's like another thing, like if there's another rung above Firewatch, then, you know, would that change my opinion on Firewatch? And I'm kind of torn a little bit about it. I, I really think this is a very fun, very interesting experience and... I think it's also, like I said, it's extremely accessible. I think anyone can enjoy this. I think out of, you know, say, 100 people will play this game, I think 80% will say it was a good experience, was a positive experience for them. And I don't know, I think this is a great introduction to the medium of storytelling video games because, I don't know, maybe you'll finish with Firewatch and then you'll think, maybe you don't consider yourself a gamer, but you'll find... I call find... it the gateway drug exactly. dimension. There's a bunch of these games out there, like short games... Maybe even not specifically short games, but there are games that anyone can pick up and play that have great stories. Maybe, I don't know, you'll find that you're into these kind of games and you'll go through a bunch of them. Another quick positive is that according to Wikipedia, they're going to make a movie based on this game. So Mm -hmm. if we include this game in the Quag and this movie becomes a major hit or something, we could brag, totally brag, that we were on, in on this <laughs> long before it was big. Uh, but what But what if it will become a failure? Uh, we can distance ourselves from it, delete the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, 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 the game was good. The game was good. The, yeah, the movie, yeah, exactly. We can be... Yeah. We, we can, can, we can deny that we ever thought that, that making it in, into a movie was a good idea. We were video game purists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's record two lines and, and, uh, and then yeah. according to the outcome of the future, we'll, we'll decide what to put in. So we think that adapting Firewatch as a movie is... Great idea. Great idea. Absolutely perfect. Totally. Great, yeah. Yeah. Great. I just and, see this going really well. I just yeah. honestly I don't see it any other way. Yeah, yeah I wonder totally. I wonder how many Oscars they'll get. That's that's the real question yeah. here, right? Yeah, that's mm. a real question. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Now the right, other now line. Let's go the other way. We think that adapting Firewatch into a movie will be It's a twenty twenty of ideas. Who's gonna t- go watch it even? Yeah. How do you like the Lila yeah. is not going to be even a, just, a movie. I don't know. It's missing the whole concept of the interactivity of the choices. Exactly. It's yeah. doomed to fail. There's just there's just no chance it was ever going to be good. Like no. I I just don't see it going yeah. any other Who way. Who wants to go it? to the yeah. movie and see just a, a lonely guy sitting in the forest for nine yeah. days or so? Mister Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing it though was fun. Yeah, Playing yeah. it was fun. It's, it's a it's a video game only 
concept. Yeah. Okay, yeah. guys, I think we're covered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's a here's a point against Firewatch. Like, I, I I totally agree with both of you that the this is a fun experience and this would be something that I totally recommend to a lot of people, which is Quag material in a way. But to me, I don't know. Like, I feel that all of the other Quag essentials, I don't know how to call <laughs> them, the other Quag members could kind of pop back into my life at any point for the rest of my life maybe like i can see myself rewatching firefly next year or rereading fight club in in like 10 years and i can enjoy them again and again i don't know at almost any moment and i just don't see myself going back to firewatch again i'll probably recommend it to a bunch of people and there's a slight chance that i'll watch a friend play it from you know from the backseat or something one day but i'll probably never play it again and i i'm not sure how much weight to give this, you know, point. Mm. I don't know if it's, I don't know, because like everything else on the Quig is stuff that I'll happily enjoy again. What do you guys think? God damn. Like both of those points, as soon as you said like how it was just a good entry point for a lot of gamers to get into it. It's great. It's a great entry point. And then now you bring up the thing like compared to the others this is the one that i wouldn't come back to like all the others i probably would with this one it's like maybe there's an off chance i'll have another interaction with it but it definitely i won't seek yeah. it out you know like i feel like i've exactly. played it and it was fun but it's kind of over i don't think it's uh it's a consideration i think there are a lot of good things that i wouldn't do again yeah but you never reread books or something right? yeah but but it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy them the first time or, or happy that I experienced it. And I think that that should be kind of like, you know, what what we want to do in the quick. I, I got to say, like, I'm not yeah. sure I want to watch Jaws again. I enjoyed it. I think it, it mm-hmm. was great. It's definitely quick material, but I'm not really interested in doing it again. Hmm. But I would recommend for okay. someone who hasn't to make the time and watch it. Same thing with, yeah. with Firewatch. You know, I, I can't really imagine the person who won't like firewatch i say other here. than my totally girlfriend agree. maybe because she only likes things with things with explosions <laughs> yeah no i totally agree okay so with that i think barrio can uh you can start the voting tipping the hat cool peter mm. it's a really tough one i'm gonna stroke the mustache ah, i'm sorry ah. look honestly i was on the fence and I don't know. If I'm on the fence, I'm sort of always going to tip backwards and just go against it because I'm just, I don't know. It's a good policy. Yeah. But at the end, the quag will just be a list of standard things that you can find in, I don't know, Tumblr or something. Okay. Okay. But here's here's the defense, right? I think this, like, if I look at inside as like stage one firewatch is stage two i feel like i feel like there's another the next game i feel like we're gonna love like i, I mean we, we did love this one as well but i just i just know because i don't want to say like this is the best video games can get because i know i know we're gonna love more video games i don't want to get into the future and have like five good video games in here and then remember like oh remember when we thought firewatch was good like i just I want to guard against that, and I want to like I want to find something we just undecidedly want to put in. Every time someone's saying Firewatch, I, I'm holding myself from correcting you to say Firefly. <laughs> it's it's I, something in my brain isn't working with this game. I'll just say for for the the sake of uh, whoever's interested, I was Barrio totally convinced me, and I was gonna tip. I, I am tipping Oof. my head to this game. So if you're playing the bingo, the Culture Quest bingo, then you can. Uh, 
uh, put a hole in the both of us have slipped <laughs> our hat and uh, Peter's uh, mustache. I think. I think. <laughs> by the way, I think it was the same with inside. <laughs> yep, exactly. I feel. I feel bad, but like. No, I... be true to yourself, man. Yeah, we respect that. You, you obviously are wrong, but, but <laughs> we respect that. <laughs> no, I'm <nice>. joking. <laughs> Tolerance of intolerance. Okay, um, so let's talk about next episode. Yeah, sure. Hopefully, it's something good for us and on. <laughs> so it's my turn to choose something for us to do. <laughs> and we've recently done the one-year party episode in which we've discussed all the things we've done so far, and it got me thinking. Up until now, we've done things that could be kind of classified under under two categories, basically. Um, one is that things that are classics that we've missed, and the other is things that we. You know, they were out of our comfort zones and we wanted to to kind of stretch our comfort zones and, and give them a go, right? And under both of these categories, whatever we chose to do had a pretty good chance to be something we loved. A lot of things were recommended to us or stuff that we've heard about for years and never got the chance to do. So I thought, could there be a third category that we've never explored before? And I, I figured that I never chose to do something on the podcast that I actively avoided. <laughs> I always chose to do stuff that was recommended or had good reviews and which is not a bad thing to do. I'm not saying that we should stop doing that because we've had a lot of fun doing that. but I wanted just this one time to do something different as maybe a bit of an experiment. And I may regret this, but I'm going to choose a music album by a band that I'll admit I don't know very well, I don't know a lot about. and despite that, I never liked them at all. So, for the next couple of weeks, we'll be listening to U2's War, a 1983 album, which is U2's third album. Um, as I've said, I don't really know U2 at all. Whenever I did get the chance to hear the music, I didn't even come close to liking it. I never liked their sound. I always thought that their music seemed really simple and really boring to me. In fact, Whenever I needed to use a band as an example for bad music in a conversation, I always used U2. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was looking for a U2 album to choose, I looked at a, a few kind of, you know, best of U2 albums lists, and they always had either War, Actung Baby, or The Joshua Tree as the best album. So I literally checked which was the shortest, and that's how <laughs> I chose to go with War, awesome. which is about 42 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, out of, out of these three albums, it's the earliest one, and I tend to like the earlier albums of bands better, so that helped in making the decision. And I think there's a fair chance that I'm going to regret this decision and, you know, just have a bad experience with this album, but there's a good chance that giving this album the, you know, quote-unquote, the Culture Quest treatment, you know, that is to give it a fair go and to try to really get to know it and the band a bit better there's a fair chance that I may change my mind about them. And honestly, I think this is a, a, a very brave choice by me. <laughs> well done, I'm very brave. Very brave. I'm kind of hoping to have a neutral experience with yeah. this one. I don't want to listen to an album that I don't like for a couple of weeks, but I also don't want to admit that I've been wrong about YouTube this yeah. whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I just want it to be on the record that I also don't like you 2 at this point in time. So, it, yeah. yeah, I think... Um, the only things I really know about U2, besides them being not good, mm -hmm. is that um, <laughs> the Joshua Tree album is a lot, what a lot of people say is that the one like they sold out. So, because I, I always use them as just the band that sold out, although Aerosmith actually could be. Anyway, um, but 
I just, yeah, I did. They just feel <laughs> too like commercial, and like their songs just feel pretty uninspired to me. But I think early days of the band could be a different thing. So like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of banking on the fact that this might be early on enough that they were still sort of like all about the music and stuff. So I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping like that'll be. I'm, I'm also hoping for a neutral experience. I can see myself changing my mind because I've changed my mind on a few bands before. So, um, yeah. yeah. What about you, Barrio? Have you ever listened to U2? Uh, no. U2 is Bono, right? Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Um, I'm guessing that most of your knowledge about U2 comes from South yeah, Park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no idea. It sounds like the type of bands that I don't know if I wouldn't like, but I just wouldn't care about. Like, um, you're, I think you're still um, not as tainted as us. So you're, you can yeah, be the, probably. you can be the blind test. Yeah. I think that it's going to be like one of those mainstream bands that I don't really care about. On the contrary, like I, I felt the same regarding Radiohead as well, but I actually found myself listening to Kid A the other day. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Throughout the years, Like being the person who really doesn't like U2 was a, a major part of my personality. I'm, I always was against U2 and I always was very quick to judge people who do like U2. So I, I, this could go very well or very, very bad. <laughs> I would say I have a similar kind of opinion on like, I think Nirvana is a band that I changed my mind on and Radiohead to some extent. The thing is about Radiohead, I didn't really know much about them to start with, so I didn't actively yeah. despise them, but I definitely knew that that music wasn't really for me. But then, obviously, I was wrong about that, and I and I like Radiohead now. But, um, but yeah, like, there's definitely some bands that I've changed my mind on. So, And speaking of Radiohead, I know I didn't say it in the episode, but if anyone <laughs> if anyone still wants to know my opinions, um, <laughs> Hail, Hail to the Thief is the is an album that I just listened to by them, which I didn't mention, but it's it's fantastic. It's really good. I started listening to it too, and it's mm. really good. I really mm. like it. I added War, the 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 U2 album, to my um, library a while, like I don't know, a couple of hours ago, and I kind of felt sick. I never expected to do it. <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting, yeah, interesting right. experience. You need you need an incognito. In your, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want anyone to know yeah. that I've been listening to U2. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, Peter. No, no, it's porn. It's porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you Peter and thank you Barrio for staying true to our goal and thank you the listeners at home for helping us along the latest stage of our quest we hope that you join us again next episode and we'll talk to you soon bye 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 see ya the Culture Quest podcast is part of all the people network visit our website at culturequestpodcast.com to contact us or see a list of our upcoming episodes follow us on twitter at cq underline podcast and tell your friends about us. Find out more information about All The People Network and the other podcasts it includes at allthepeoplenetwork.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a, um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on 
who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just good place to go. Thank you. So I've been asked to do some promo for these two lads, Ryan and Paul, for their podcast, Cold Callers Comedy. Quite honestly, I've never listened to it because it sounds like sh**. But what I can tell you is that my show, Artie's Artist Acts, is one of the segments, and that is an absolute peaky blinder you can't miss out on. Whoa, what the hell, Tom? You meant to promote our show, not slag it off. I couldn't care less, mate. Well, you should. You're on the podcast. Yeah, how about a little gratitude? Bane, show them how grateful we are. Your precious podcast. Gratefully accepted. Um, we're not giving it to you. Admirable. What a mistake. So yeah, listen to my show Cold Callers Comedy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and all the other podcast platforms. The podcast rises. Come here.